the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 1220 KDOW is proud to present the podcast of Real Life Lending on Money 2.0. Now here's financial services expert Eric Elovsky-McKay. Hey, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Real Life Lending here on AM 1220 KDOW. My name is Eric McKay. Today we're going to have a full house special guest, a couple calling in. But right now in studio we have Jessica Couch. Hi, Jessica. How are you? Good evening. Welcome to the show. Jessica, remind everybody about who you are and what you do. I'm a full-time realtor. I love helping people make money, have their money work for them. And in Sacramento, we have a, um, a, a few left that could make you money where you have a good ROI. I was about to say we have a great selection. We don't, actually. We I do know. not have a great selection. And you are the investment um, queen because I know that uh, we have always have. We have an investment property of the week that we're going to sell tonight yes. to a Barry investor. Um but those of you that are new to the show, the show is all about you, the consumer. It was created three years ago because of my frustration about all the misinformation in the real estate industry and specifically the mortgage industry. I got tired of hearing of how difficult it was to get a mortgage, how you needed a 780 FICO, how you needed 20% down and woe is me. It's just impossible. The world is crashing. So this is something that I created for a, a place for consumers like yourself to call, get questions and get what's new and true in the mortgage finance industry. And we work with professionals like uh, Jessica to help you on the real estate side. So we have a lot of ways for you to get a hold of us. If you have a question regarding lending, mortgages, whether it's residential, commercial, or or just something you've heard that you just wanted to ask if it's correct, or anything on the real estate side, give us a call, 925-203-5808. Again, 925-203-5808. You can always go to reallifelending.com and uh, shoot me a call. Give me an email about show ideas. We'd always love to hear from you. I have been in the corporate finance and lending industry for about 27 years, currently the Northern California area manager for Essex Mortgage, and I hire and train all staff in Northern California, but the best part of my job is actually sitting across the kitchen table with people like yourself, getting you back into the game or helping you buy that 30th investment property, right? Right. You know, there's we, we happen to live in a great area. Northern California, we're kind of trendsetters for the country. We... We were the first ones to experience any type of glitch in the market. We were the first ones to come out of the downturn. We're the first ones to actually recover. And it kind of makes us a little unique because we've kind of seen it before the rest of the country. Right, Jessica? Right. Um, A little bit about Essex Mortgage. We are the bank. We are a direct lender. We fund about a billion dollars a year in residential real estate. That's not a, a lot of money when you compare us to a big box bank, but it allows us to do some really cool things, think outside the box, have some specific programs that maybe some of the big box banks don't offer. And we feel that's more of an educational process with us. And that's why we work with people like Jessica, because our job is to not really sell you a product. It's to explain what's available to you based on your financial situation. And I know you run into that all the time, right, Jessica? Yes, I think it's so true. I think there are a lot of realtors that, that have this idea, like, this is my 
secret, and I'll just share this much with you. And I think sure. if you really educate people and show them everything that there is and go over all of the numbers, they're going to make a really good choice. Absolutely. But they're now empowered with this information, and they're able to make their own choice. Absolutely. And this is 2016, folks. This is the year. Okay, this is the year. We finally have... Uh, an environment in our market where, you know, everybody thought interest rates were going to rise, you know, uh, Fed raiser market rate, their borrowing rate. And what happened? We've actually had, we've experienced the best rates we've seen in two years. You know, we had a little bit of a correction last week, but we're still phenomenally low. And I, you know, those of you that listen, I don't talk about real estate agent, or I'm sorry, we don't talk about, I talk about real estate agents yeah. all the time. <laughs> I don't talk about interest rates because everybody's different. Uh, people float rates out there that maybe 2% of the population can qualify for. We are real world about what's available to you based on your financial situation, but it's still historically low. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, that makes my day, and I'm going to share a little success story, is, is I actually had a borrower that bought during the downturn. Uh, they, they, they lost a home, an investment property, uh, after an illness in the family. They ended up getting a private money loan or a hard money loan that we like to use in the industry that, that was kind of prevalent during the downturn when institutional financing kind of shrunk. And they had put, you know, 50% down, paying over 10% interest rate. And they've been in it a little over a year and they called and said, Hey Eric, you know, they listened to the show. They said, we're tired of paying this interest rate. We're on a fixed income. What can we do? Well, we had some credit issues to get over because they really hadn't established, reestablished credit after uh, the downturn and they lost this property. We worked with them for about three months and we actually just got the appraisal back. We got the approval back. We're saving them. They went from a 10% interest rate to four and a quarter. Wow. Uh, 4.385 APR, we're saving them $657 a month. Wow. Now that is a home run. Right. That is life changing. It is, especially for an older couple that pulled all their money because they didn't want to rent, you know, so they, they, they pulled some money that they inherited, bought this property, living in it. And it's, it's a great experience to, to save somebody that amount of money. And, you know, they've been told no by everyone else. And we took a little bit of time and worked on their credit and told them exactly what we needed to do. And I think we even got them a little cash out to help uh, do some repairs around the house. Oh, that's that awesome. is a win-win situation. That's great. Um, what's going on in the market? You know, we're saying it's 2016. We've got a lot of good things happening. Um, you know, those of you that have been reading the paper and listening to the show, you hear that, you know, the Fed's expecting four or six rate hikes in 2016. Now something came out and said they expect twice in 2016. I don't think it's going to happen, Jessica. I am very curious to see. I was just talking with another agent about this today, about where rates are going to be. Here, here's what's happening. World, let's talk about globally. We're seeing other countries have negative interest, banks charging negative interest rates uh, be, to try to prop up their market. Uh, you got to remember, this is a, a global economy. I'm not saying that that's going to happen with us, but I don't see anything happening in anywhere in the near future, at least maybe till after the election. Nobody's going to want to halt the economy because you know what the whole our 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 market really revolves around real estate right that's the kind of a temperature of the economy right if you're able to buy a home millennials are finally getting off the fence to buy back i, I think we all had our our own reasons why they might have been on the fence they watched and experienced their parents go through some really bad times during the downturn people are getting more confident uh, whether however you believe about the administration or the true uh unemployment rate real estate is really steady right now. I think, you know, let's talk about it. We're going to have like a, would you agree it's more going to be a stable cost of real estate this year? Not really any spikes? 
I, I think we are seeing that. I mean, of I course, inventory we've short, right? yeah, inventory is short and prices have continued to rise. That's definitely true. In fact, this morning I was pulling up all the new listings as I do right. and a property, a duplex in a great neighborhood close to City College had popped up a year ago at 325 and they pulled it off, rented both sides out and it, you know, it was back on today for 425. Wow. A hundred thousand. I know. I mean, I think sellers are being realistic. I think that agents are, are pricing and, and we've talked about this before. If the property is priced right, it's going to sell. Immediately. You'll have multiple offers if it's priced right. And, you know, I've got a rundown of the Bay Area counties and what's going on so far in 2016. And, you know, I'm going to run through them, but it's just a great example of how real estate is moving and how strong the lending industry is right now. It's all about common sense. I think that's what people have to understand. Uh, yes, people get tired of us asking for documentation. And it's all income-based, asset-based. And, yes, we've got to be compliant. Trust me. We get spanked if we're not, so it's not just us. We have to play by the same rules as everybody else. But, you know, here's some great examples. Contra Costa County, the median sales price, Contra Costa County, a million oh eight in January. Okay? That's the twelfth consecutive month prices have been in the seven digit range, seven digit range. And here's another thing. Homes days on market, forty two days on market, and they're getting ninety three point eight percent of their homes asking prices. Wow. Um some other area, East Bay, and that's not that's anywhere but Danville, Blackhawk and uh Lafayette, San Ramon, Walnut Creek. Um median sales price eight nine eight ninety nine fifty. Average days on market forty one days, selling for hundred and four percent of asking price. Nothing short There's of asking. Some buyers yeah. out there. Marin County. Here's a little surprise about Marin. Uh, 935000 median price in January. First time in 11 months that the median sales price in Marin dropped below a million bucks. Wow. Uh, average home sold 96% of its per, uh, of its original price, asking price, and it sold in 53 days. So a little bit longer on the market in Marin. So that's a little bit of a correction in that area. Uh, Napa County. Good time to buy in Napa. Average home sold for 84.2% of its asking price. Wow. Uh, median price, 581 250 and it took 103 days to sell. Any ideas why? No, Jessica? I'm really curious as to that. I was in Petaluma. Napa's been hot. You know, we've got, we've got some agents over in Napa that are friends of the show, and uh-huh. it's been a really hot market. I would year. imagine. Uh, here we go. San Francisco, um, 43 days, average time on the market. Uh, median sale price actually fell in December uh, to one one six seven fifty, but prices haven't been under a million dollars in over a year. But here's the thing about San Francisco: it sold for one hundred and four point four percent of asking price. Wow! Now Silicon Valley, those of you in Silicon Valley, listen up. Median sale price of two point five million. Uh, J- January home sold for eighty ninety eight point four percent of asking price. Sold in 39 days, $2.5 million median price. Wow, no slowdown in Silicon Valley. No, and you know what? One of the great things about it, and what we're seeing, Jessica, I think, is you know, a lot of people pay cash for those homes, uh-huh. but, but what we're finding is a kind of a trend. You know, people are saving their cash because rates are so low. You know, they'll make more on the market with their funds, so they're putting 50% down, 40% down, even 60% down, and they're getting some really fabulous rates on jumbo loans right now. Ow. Uh, Sonoma County. Median price five hundred fifty-five thousand. That's a yearly high. Property sold for ninety-three point eight percent of asking, and it took eighty-one days on the market. But here's something that's that's kind of we all like to look at is Tahoe. They've been been involved in the Tahoe market. So anything up there lately? I'm about to. Uh, oh, you are. Yeah. Uh, good market. You know that that market's kind of been stale for a while. Second home market, vacation home market, kind of the last demographic to recover. Um, 
Region climbed to six six hundred sixty one thousand five hundred. The median price in January, and it's the highest since January of two thousand fifteen. Took an average of one hundred forty one days on market, um, which is unique. You know, I, I was up at Tahoe. I was looking at property up there, and the days of a steal are gone in Tahoe. Oh, I Prices would agree with climbing. that. Uh, what are you seeing? Right now, Jessica, as far as the market. I think anything priced right goes immediately, and they're getting multiples. I think the other thing I was just talking with another agent about is our unknown factor. So she was saying, I've got some folks that want to sell a fourplex, and they're thinking they'll wait. They'll wait a while. And I said, if you're waiting a while, it's an unknown. You don't know what else is going to come on the market. Case in point, I listed a condominium, great neighborhood. We were the only game in town. Went on too high, against my better Mm -hmm. judgment. (laughs) She wanted to go too high. Within, like... A week, we had we were one of six. Everybody else listed it significantly lower and had multiple offers. So wow. it forced us to change our price. We're in contract, but it, it's just a, a you know it's an unknown. It's that variable that as I think warmer weather gets here, we're going to see more and more listings. It's the season, and you mm-hmm. know I know we've got a lot of investors that uh, are calling us from the Bay Area um, because we can find property all over Northern California for you. But you know the cash flow properties tend to be a little north. Yes, and I know we've got some good ones we're going to talk about a little later. Um, but there, there's such a great opportunity right now. And, and the, you know, the whole old saying is you can make money in any real estate market. But I really think in certain demographics, you can really get that 10, 15 percent return on investment where you might not be able to get in some areas, especially down south or maybe in the Bay Area. So Absolutely. some good opportunities out there. And I know we're going to talk about those. Here's something I thought was an interesting. And it's kind of it's kind of a useless uh uh, a little bit of market news is that mortgages are more likely to be approved when it's sunny. Interesting. <clears throat> That's something you'll never use, right? A uh, recent publisher by Cleveland Fed found a strong link between influenced weather and mortgage approvals. But uh, uh, positive settlement emerges sunnier weather leads to higher credit approvals. Boost credit, they boost credit applications by a little under 1%, while approvals drop to, they drop by 1, 1.5% on cloudy days. That is really interesting. Days. Now, how that comes into play, I do not know, but that's another useless fact that you can only hear on Real Life Lending. All right, folks, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have a guest uh, that's going to tell us about what we pay for when we pay for an appraisal. It's Lance Siegel. He is the owner of uh, HVCC Appraisal Services. Listen up. Give us a call. We'll be right back after this. All right, guys. We're here at Kicking Start, the real estate market for 2016. My name is Eric McKay. Welcome back to Real Life Lending. We are your Northern California show for what's new and true in mortgage finance. Today, we've got a full house. We've got Jessica Couch here in studio. And we kind of have a special guest today. Those of you that uh, we all know that when we... uh, have a uh, ready to purchase a new home or ready to refinance. We pay for an appraisal. We write that check or we provide our credit card number. And today we have Lance Siegel. He is the president owner of HVCC appraisal services. Correct, Lance? Yes. Thank you, Eric. Good evening. Lance, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us everybody about your background, what you do. And we have a lot of questions for you. Sure. Thanks again. It's uh, again, I'm the president of HVCC appraisal ordering. We're an appraisal management company licensed not only here in the state of California, located here in Southern California, but we're lo- we're licensed in 50 states. My background, real fast, 38 years of full-time appraising, uh, about 14,000 appraisals completed, probably 70,000 views for many, many, many lenders, and uh, well over 100 appraisals a day for the last seven years that we put through our system. So very extensive background on all the guidelines, standards, compliancy of, uh, of appraising. So you get those of you, the listeners, that have to remember that in part of uh, Dodd-Frank took the appraisal 
appraisal uh, ordering away from the lenders now that created the uh, the HVCC Home Valuation Code of Conduct created uh, the appraisal management companies. It's kind of like a go-between. So lenders like myself all have AMCs that we work with, so we don't have any undue influence on the appraisals, correct? Yeah, that is yep. true. <laughs> so so I think go ahead. The, sure. The Dodd-Frank Act changed the whole industry landscape forever, and it changed it drastically. Again, just exactly to reiterate what you just said, it took the control and influence from brokers, from agents, from anybody that was related to the loan and making money or related, again, to advantages of the loan and taking that away from the appraiser's uh, influence. And, and, and that has changed drastically because there's good and bad. The, Chris Dodd and Barney Frank thought they were helping borrowers. Uh, just from my long-time experience, I think it's made it a tough, tough battle in our environment, but ultimately has probably uh, enriched the, uh, the, maybe the honesty and the environment of appraisals. Well, let's remember, Mr. Dodd and Mr. Frank were the ones that create, that actually wrote legislation that forced lenders to create products to lend in certain zip codes and demographics, hence the stated income, stated asset loans. Uh, so the same legislators that created those, that in order to keep lenders keep their federal charter, now spanked us and told us we were bad for doing those products and created and these legislative pieces that don't understand how business flow is done. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So, hey, hey Lance, um, you know, yeah. people pay for an appraisal. Uh, it's it, Let's kind of get the basics of what people are actually paying for. What, what You know, it's it's basically a snapshot. Yeah. Appraisers are not inspectors. What exactly is the scope of work of an appraiser? Sure. Um, appraisers, in a simple simple definition, are data gatherers. They are not home inspectors, said construction, builders, any of that sort, but they are data gatherers. And what Obviously, the definition of an appraisal is very simply a method of or methods of uh, defining a, a, a value. So the scope is when an appraisal is ordered, uh, of course, an appraiser uh, accepts an assignment in any, uh, and we try to stay, keep appraisers within five, seven, eight, maybe even as far as 20 miles from a property when, when uh, possible, except maybe rural areas. Once accepted, they uh, obviously make appointments, they inspect the property, measuring, pictures, uh, gather the condition, the amenities. Uh, they take all the information that they take from the property, and they probably, and this is maybe the little bit of uh, misnomer out there, the appraisers only spend maybe 15 minutes to an hour at a property, depending on how big and complex it is, but spend four, five, six hours thereafter once they leave with all the data that they've gathered and information that they're going to continue to gather. But uh, the most important aspect is to know what they are appraising. So a lot of people ask, you know, what do you, an appraiser when they're at the house, what do you think about the value? But they don't really know until they do all their due diligence over the next four, five, six hours over the next couple of days. The aspect of getting back to their office and spending several hours writing up Fannie Mae forms to put all the, and this is really what the Dodd-Frank Act has done, has taken appraisal reports were just 10 years ago, probably 7, 8, 10, 12, 15 pages, into 35 to even 65-page, very complex and uh, almost nonsensical information. But if the government needs it, that's, uh, that's their business. But it is uh, performed by these appraisers, and uh, that's the basic nutshell of it. So an appraiser actually, I mean, it's a snapshot of, of what the properties valued at the day that they visit the the, the property, yeah. you know, then 
you know, and, and I know that something could be closing the very next day, and I know that's probably a biggest argument uh, from real estate agents, right, Jessica? Is that what's allowed, what's not, what's usable, what can you yeah. use? And, and, let me, let and, and real estate I, agents kind of go... I can take that a little ways. Okay. The, the, I had a question from your last uh, radio show that was very, very pertinent to this question. The, the appraisers are can only base value on historical data, whether it's yesterday, last week, last month, or last year. And ultimately, this is where the round holes and the square pegs and the difficulty of the telephone game between agents and brokers and appraisers and lenders have problems. The appraisers go out and get they have to base sales on closed sales, they, uh, value on closed sales, and not, not pendings, not listings. Now, when listing agents do go out and put a listing together, they are basing it on their competition, as just shared earlier in the show. They want to know what's their competition and stay with it. Unfortunately, hey, Lance, some of these things hey, are a little bit high. Yes. Lance, this, hold on a sec. This is gonna, I know this is a question that we should, we'll should. we hold over for the next segment because we're coming up on a hard break at the half. So let's continue this because I know that this is important because I know a lot of listeners out there and real estate agents out there really need to understand what's allowed and what's not allowed. So can you stay over with us? Absolutely. All right. All right, folks. I want to thank everybody for listening to Real Life Lending. I'm, my name's Eric McKay. I'm here with Jessica Couch and Lance Siegel. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to Real Life Lending. My name's Eric McKay. I'm here with Jessica Couch. Jessica, really quick, I want to give your name and number out one more time. Oh, thank you. Jessica Couch, full-time realtor. Love to make your money work for you. 916-532-8916. And I know we've got the investment property of the week coming up. Uh, but right, more importantly, we're here with Lance Siegel. He is the owner of HVCC Appraisal Order. And before the break, we were kind of going into what what can an appraiser use as comps? Because I know sometimes you have agents um, meet the appraiser with 15 different comps that they've printed out. And I think that's important for everybody to understand. What, what's usable, what's uh, not. Let me just share with you. You know, the Dodd-Frank Act does specifically say that no influence should be put on the appraiser. And that definition is it has uh, a give and take. Most appraisers, as I shared, and all appraisers actually are data gatherers, and most appraisers, if you meet them at the door and give them a package, they'll take it. Um, I don't get, out of hundreds of day and thousands and tens of thousands of years, I've only, I get two or three appraisers a year walk out of a house when somebody tries to push them too far. But rarely, if you just give somebody a nice package, don't tell them what value to push, but here's some great information. They'll take it. And if it's, if it's duplicative of what they have, duplicate of what they have, they'll throw it on the floor of the car. If it's not, they'll really thank you in the end because there's information they didn't have. Yeah, and you know, that's, that's where it really comes into finding a good appraiser. And I know there's, in, in any industry, whether you're buying fruit down the street or you're, you're using an appraisal, there's good people and bad people. And, and, and people that take the time, especially on unique yeah. properties. I know that... Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm one that fights for all my borrowers, and we, we've had some unique properties that, that are basically impossible to comp. So in that right. case, you have to bracket like properties, and, and it's difficult to do something like that. And I know that uh, it, 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 you know, they might be able to sell it for $200,000 right. more than, than we can appraise it for. Right. Because somebody I might, might like to have that all. property. That's right. I know a cliche that I use often is that you, what you can sell a house for and what you can appraise it for are two different things. And it's probably 5% of the time where we have, you know, like as uh, Jessica was sharing, quite often you have multiple offers. And uh, if it's a $300,000 property and it's also 330 or 310, let's just say, and the comps only show 290, 
there's no doubt it was a willing buyer, willing seller in most of the instances. But unfortunately, the historical data is all that can be used, and the appraiser has his hands cuffed, and ultimately they can only come in at 290 or 295 or 300 and not at the 310. So it's not necessarily the appraiser's fault. It's the guidelines. Are there good appraisers and bad appraisers? Absolutely. Or, and I think, as you just said, you know, you like to use good appraisers. I think there's multiple definitions of good appraisers, and mine are cooperative, communicative, um, understanding, uh, concerned, and ultimately very skilled. And not there is there aren't that many unused that with all those skills. Many with many of them, but not there's only ten percent in this country that have all those skills, and that's a shame. Uh, there is uh, just real quick, uh, appraising doesn't have a school, and so ultimately becoming an appraiser, you're trained by your mentor, and some of the better mentors train some of the better appraisers and vice versa and so, just so uh, you know folks the listeners out there is just because an appraiser comes up with a number doesn't mean your lender is going to accept it it's got to go through right. review the uh, the underwriter can order a desk review they can ask the appraiser to support this value if they don't agree with it and and i know even fannie mae came out with their own kind of like uh, avm automated value yes. software and i forget the name of it lance help me uh, let me share with you remember. it's called collateral underwriting okay. and it's and it's That's basically it. what they call advanced analytics. And every single appraisal that we, any AMC gets in for a lender, including ourselves, we push a button. It's called the UCDP button, and that pushes the appraisal through, you know, very simply through a tunnel to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And it splits off. Within two minutes, they send us back a summary of the report as well as a, like you say, an AVM of the report. But these advanced analytics, is this Collateral underwriting has taken review and AVM to another stratosphere in the sense that they pull from all the MLS in that region. They pull from all the public records in that region. They look at every comp that was put on that appraisal, and they look at every appraiser that used that comp in the last six months for that appraisal or since it sold, as well as the last 20 appraisers, appraisals that that appraiser has just completed. So this is unbelievable process, and then they send it back to us, and we read these these reviews. And, and they actually spit out uh, com- other other comparable sales. Well, hey, why didn't you use this less risky comparable they sale? Rarely do that, but what in another way, what they do is they say other appraisers have adjusted your comps differently, or. Other appraisers have uh, valued uh, such and such differently. There's three, three parts of those collateral underwritings. Two we ignore. One, absolute uh, definitive things that were wrong with the appraisal. They will find, hey, there was a past sale of that subject property. You missed putting it on the appraisal report, or you missed the age. You put 1965. It was built in 1995. They will catch those kind of mistakes, and then we will have those fixed immediately. Then there's these general aspects that makes that, they make them nervous, that make Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac nervous, such as what I just shared. They go through this huge background, comps, public records, other appraisers, other appraisal, everything. And ultimately, if they can't get their arms around it comfortably, they say, hey, we're not comfortable in, in so many words. Right. But they put a risk score. And, and let me make this really clear for everybody, because uh, the risk score, we they got, have a one we got to 10 five, seconds five for the next worse. break. Yeah, okay. Go. Well, I'll tell you what. i tell you what, Lance. Let's continue this after the break, because I think I know Jessica. I want to get Jessica's opinion as a real estate agent and a realtor as to what she's seeing, what works, and what doesn't work in the appraisal process. I would love uh, to all right, folks, we're going to break here. I want to li- thank everybody for listening to Real Life Lending. If you have any questions, give us a call, 
203-5808. We'll be back right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back to Real Life Lending. Tonight, we are talking appraisals with Lance Siegel of HPCC Appraisal Ordering. And uh, before the break, um, kind of going through, uh, you know, the, the, all the process and checks and balances and, and uh, just because the appraiser says it's worth something, there's so many other factors into review processes and audit processes that are involved. And I, I'm glad Jessica's here. I kind of wanted to get your opinion, Jessica, on, on as, a, as a realtor, what's working and what's not. Are you having problems these days with appraisals? Very few. Um, I think it's really easy to comp a track neighborhood. Sure. When you get into something that's custom, that's why I usually bring in an appraiser ahead of time and, and pay for that so that we have a, a value set. Because if I give them a value and it's something custom, it's my opinion. Sure. Whereas an appraiser, it's gospel. Everybody will take this. And he's going to do a more, well, I say he, it could be a she. I, should, I shouldn't say that. Um, the appraiser is going to come in and, and give us a more accurate value based on comparables that they know will work versus my opinion of right. something that may not fall into the category from a buyer's loan that that standpoint from sure. you know the buyer's lender's appraiser sure uh lance um, you know from seeing all the appraisals that you see every day what what do you think's working what's not and and if there is is there anything new coming down that's going to throw another wrench into our process well that's a great uh great question what's working right now as I think the retraining of the industry that right now I think everybody's understanding that just as what you said, every the scrutiny on these appraisals are as many as 17 times from reviewers and lenders and on Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And I'm seeing these things get kicked back, not necessarily mine, but I, I hear what's going on in the industry through other other companies. What's working is, I think, as cooperative of an appraisal management company with appraisers that work with them and trust them. You can't influence them, but when they when they get paid well, when they trust who they are getting these assignments from, when they understand that they are getting paid properly uh, and on time, that even that's a small thing and has nothing to do with comparables or values. The appraiser has a better attitude, has a better feel, and just wants to spend more time. Um, I know that there are many AMCs out there and uh, that are just uh, Darth Vader. Uh, they are really paying the appraisers way too little, and you get what you pay for in this industry. So what does work is, I'm not saying overpay, but uh, you do get what you pay for, and I mean that over in a great deal of appraisals, tens, hundreds of thousands of appraisals now. Well, uh, since those, the imp- implementation yeah. of the HVCC and the AMC, the appraisers are making less, and don't they take on a, a lot more liability? They have civil liability now, don't they? They do, Eric. And one of the mission statements of my company, I'm not trying to promote my company, but what we knew as appraisers for 30 years. Well, that's what you're uh, here for, time. Lance. You know, we're we're all here to right. promote. <laughs> we're all here to stay in well, business. My listeners know that. Out there, please call me at HVCC appraisal <laughs> ordering. But that being said, um, the really the aspect of even as there are such a diverse appraisers out there, good and bad, there are the same in the AMCs, and ultimately, many of the, these AMCs are really taking advantage of appraisers, paying them substantially way too under and ultimately get, trying to get too much. And again, the appraisers are twice as much as what they were just 10 years ago, and ultimately they are getting 
maybe as much as a third to a half less to what they used to get. And this is making a tough product. There are a lot of appraisers that are good. Now, let me just share with the statistic that there's 120,000 appraisers out there. 60,000 of those 120,000 working appraisers are 65 and over. So it does. it's just looks like they're going to be disappearing over the next 5, 7, 10, 12 wow. years. And for every 5,000 appraisers that disappear, there isn't, there isn't 50 that come back into the market because of the difficulty of becoming an appraiser. So where are we going with these appraisers? And do these older appraisers care as much as they did 10 years ago and 20 years ago? These are right. rhetorical questions. My experience, there's still most of the appraisers out there are doing the best they can. They do care. It comes down to their level of expertise some are good, some are bad. And I, what I found is the majority of the appraisers really started maybe 12, 15, and maybe less than 15 years ago that are out there mm-hmm. now or 20 years ago uh, that are really working the residential AMC work. And I don't think you ever become a decent appraiser until at least 15, 20, 25 years. So we try to use appraisers that are minimal, minimal 10, if, but generally 15 years and over. Again, what's working is cooperation and understanding, and as you said earlier in your whole conversation on this radio show, is common sense. Um, and ultimately, we try all trying to do it, but ultimately, this it, it, this Dodd Frank Act has made uh, a great deal of telephone game, and it makes it difficult with everybody's opinions. Well, Lance, we want to we want to thank you for being part of the show. You're always welcome. If something new comes down the pipe, but please let us know. We'll give you some airtime. And for all of those listeners out there that may be a mortgage banker or a broker, Lance, give your contact information out for me. Yes, uh, it's Lance Siegel, S-I-E-G-E-L. We're at HVCCAppraisalOrdering.com, and it's 949-600-6506. And even if it's not my appraisal, we, I would be glad to talk to anyone about any appraisal question or problem. Okay. Well, thanks, Lance. We appreciate being on the show. Yeah, thank you. That was very informative. Jessica, thank right, you. Lance. And Eric, thank you. You bet. Thank you. And all listeners out life. there, um, you know, give Lance a call if you're maybe thinking about. I know, Jessica, you do something really unique than most realtors. You actually pay for an appraisal for all of your listings just to kind of see where it's going to come in at, right? I really feel it's a, a good use of money. Yes. But those of you that uh, might be thinking of selling and, and, uh, and uh, you know, I guess, Give Lance a call. Get an appraisal before you so you know if you have to address any health and safety issues or things like that that might come up. Or call Jessica, and she'll come out and do a quick review because I think that's it's really important to kind of get a starting point. And, you know, I think our industry now is we have maybe people that have been on the fence that mm-hmm. may be waiting to move up or move down right. that have been waiting to be in an equity position to sell uh, are, are kind of seeing the writing on the wall. Hey, this is a great opportunity. Inventory's tight. Right. Um, I, I could probably get top dollar, as we've seen in some of the some of the numbers we've thrown around earlier. Um, what do I need to do to get ready to get my house ready to sell? I mean, and I think that's a, that's a really big important part of working with with yourself, Jessica, is finding out what that house is worth, what you may need to do to it in order to get it ready to sell. I, I find that is the biggest concern when I meet people and they say we want to list our house, but we you know we need to wait to get our tax money back. We need to do all this work, and I say halt. Let, let me come in and see what actually needs to be done because their opinion of what needs to be done may not make a lick of difference in pricing. So I don't want anyone to spend a bunch of money and go to a bunch of work if you're not going to get that money back out of it. And then some, it's not worth the effort. And that's not a small investment. Jessica lays out, you know, four or $500 for an appraisal for a listing appointment just to make sure that you're in the ballpark, you know, and you, you're, you're, I think the most important is setting realistic expectations, right? Whether Very important, it's yeah. on the lending side or the real estate side, making sure your, your seller or buyer understand exactly 
what that home is worth. Yes. And, and, and be prepared because it is a, uh, our market is very fluid and we we're very excited about our market. Like I mentioned earlier, we are trendsetters, but working with the right and correct team is, is probably 90% of the battle. And, I would agree. That is so important. And that's why this show was created to make sure that you folks are better educated to go out and find somebody like myself and Jessica to make your next real estate transaction a positive experience. And that's what we're all about. All right, folks, we're coming up on our break. When we come back, Jessica and I, we're going to talk about some investment property. We're going to talk about uh, some things that that I think are important. And uh, if you have any questions, give us a call, 925-203-5808 or reallifelending.com. We'll be right back after this. Wake up, folks. You're listening to Real Life Lending here on AM 1220. My name's Eric McKay. I'm here with Jessica Couch, realtor extraordinaire. And you know, we want to thank Lance, uh, learning about the appraisals. We all pay for them. We all, you know, it's good to get a good idea of, of what exactly is involved, right? Um, Jessica, you know, one of the things that we're very fortunate enough, we work with so many people from the Bay Area, uh, both primary residents and increasingly, surprises, surprisingly, investors. Yes. Um, and I know that uh, you've got the investment property of the week. Let's get that out of the way first before we start going on through the process. Okay. We've got a duplex today. Uh, address is 1730 Kenwood Street in Sacramento. It's 95815. The list price on this is 149500 is that a single family? It is a duplex. A duplex. Two, yeah, two, two sides. For, for how much? One forty nine. And what kind of rents does it produce? It is bringing in 600 per side. So $1,200. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you can't do that in the Bay Area. No way. No way. Now, this, this is a... Get a 15-year and still positive cash flow on that. Right. Um, yeah, that's probably that's probably a 8 to 12% ROI. Well, and I realize there's, yeah, variables in there as well. And, you know, if you're hiring a property manager and, yeah, how much you're putting down, what effect it is well. every time we mention a property or a multi-unit, you sell it the next week. That is exactly what happens. How does somebody get a hold of if they want to see that property? 916-532-8916. You know, let's talk about that because they go so fast. They do. Right. So a a lot of your job is identifying them and actually playing hustle and making sure that, you know, that the buyer is actually moving along right i'll tell you on one client that i'm i worked with them on several deals mm-hmm. but when they started this with their investment properties i went out and wrote 27 offers to get them into contract wow. 27 so most of these they didn't see i went out identified the best properties you know took a preview and then sent an offer in 27 offers to get one and and they are available there's you know people think there's a few and far between but they do come up. They do. You know? I, I have three that are under 160 that all produce about that same amount of rent. That was the cheapest one just mm-hmm. mentioned. And these are all about cash flow. Absolutely. And that's, that's what it's all about. Um, and I think, but there's a right way to, to go through the process, especially on investment property, because it is a long term. It's not a flip. It's a buy and hold. So you're going to look at more at the property condition. Right. Make sure you're verifying rents, making sure that you and your clients are walking that property all times of the day. Because you want to see exactly Very important. What, what, yes. what kind of uh, uh, area it's in, making sure. Because the you know I've been to places at three in the afternoon and then went back at ten eleven at night and it's a completely different place. I think there's a lot of neighborhoods like that. It's a different <clears throat> place at nine a.m. and then come afternoon, everyone's awake and right. it's a different scene. So I mean, go through the process that, that you go through with your buyers because obviously getting in contract is the most important thing. Sometimes it's hard to motivate investors because you know they may own several properties, but it is such a tight market right now. It's it really is. important for people to move. 
and get up, see him, make an offer and get in in contract. I think that is really important. And then I think it's the process. So if, if we come in, I always do, I have a pest inspection immediately mm-hmm. and I pay for that. I want to make sure I'm protecting the borrower's money Absolutely. And, and our client in this situation. So if we end up with an $8,000 pest bill, I want to go back to the seller and say, hey, we've got a problem. You know, Are we going to be able to work this into price or how are we handling this before we then go to home inspection? And then, then home inspection. And we do all of those to identify any problems with the property. Uh, before we even order an appraisal. Because if we ordered the Absolutely. appraisal first, a seller's going to say, oh no, this yeah. property is worth $182,000. i am not going to give you any credit. My fidu- and we've yeah, shot absolutely. ourselves in the foot. My fiduciary is to the borrower to make sure. And and, and I know, and I'm, 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 you and I happen to be on the same wavelength, but some, some agents, they want the appraisal ordered uh-huh. you know, the same day, you, same day you're in contract. And it's not really fair to the buyer uh, until we make sure that that property is lendable uh-huh. and it doesn't have any major issues, foundation issues or, or things like that. So right. I think that's what's really neat. Um, Jessica, you know, we, we've got so little time here left on the show. How does somebody get a hold of you if they want to see some investment properties or maybe even you know, list their primary residence or get some ideas on what they need to do? Yeah, if, it, if it's something you just wanted to discuss and mm-hmm. you're thinking about it, give me a call. I'd be happy to you know go over options with you. Sure. I think that's what it's really about is going over options. Uh, 916-532-8916. Well, Jessica, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you bet. Folks, if you hear anything on the show that interests you, give me a call. Work with me personally, 925-203-5808. We'll get you pre-approved, fully through underwriting before you even start looking. Again, 925-203-5808 or reallifelending.com. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.